welcome. Welcome to Don't Take the Coral Inside and Other Cultural Curiosities, where we hear your sometimes funny, sometimes uncomfortable, but very real stories of what happens when two cultures meet. Today, uh, Stella and I are discussing cheating and our encounters with a perception of cheating versus helping in the English language learning classroom. Hi, Estelle. Hello. So um, tell us about one of your experiences that you've had with the idea of cheating or the perception of cheating with your English language learners in your classroom. Well, it's hard to narrow down to one, but um, I will definitely remember a very particular experience uh, with a young man who, who would, he, it would get some very, very creative ways of cheating. He, he started out simply by looking over at some of his classmates' papers, their classmates' exams. We caught him doing that. And then one time we saw him just sort of looking up at the wall. And I thought, oh, good, he's not looking over at another student's papers, only to realize that mixed in with the posters were his notes that he had he'd taped on the wall sometime between the break and when we started the exam. So a uh, very, very creative gentleman and uh, very, he must have been quite stealth to have done that because we had been in the classroom the whole time. So that's a particular memory that comes into my mind. Um, but what really strikes me about that situation and most of the other situations I'm thinking of with cheating was his response to being caught. I had expected when I first caught him that there would be a lot of fear in his eyes. Oh no, the teacher caught me. A lot of denial. Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then a bunch of apologizing. But that wasn't the case. It almost became comical. I, it it kind of became a game. And by the time we found that paper taped onto the wall, it, the entire class was laughing, including himself. He was not he was not afraid that he'd done some horrible offense, that he was going to get kicked out of class. And coming from my cultural perspective, that was surprising. Can can you tell us what culture he's from? So he's from the Middle East. Okay. And and so from my perspective, and this had happened with other students uh, from the Middle East, I had expected that by just walking over and, you know, doing my teacher voice and saying, hey, don't don't look at their the other student's paper. Hey, eyes on your own paper, that it would sort of shock them and scare them and into just, you know, keeping their eyes on their own paper. But I found that wasn't the case more and more and that I that there wasn't this fear or even this, I would say, taboo around cheating coming from American university systems. I had this idea, you know, you hear the word cheating that that's a few steps away from plagiarism. That's a few steps away from being expelled. You know, it's a slippery slope, right? This is a, mm -hmm. this is a gateway problem. So for me, it was a very, I would never have wanted to have been accused of cheating. I remember one time I, I'm a daydreamer and I, when I was an undergrad at university, I couldn't think of an answer and I, my eyes started to drift up and I was kind of looking at the wall. I was looking at the ceiling. And then the teacher started looking at me 
And I thought, oh, no, I really hope he didn't think I was looking at someone else's paper. And I must have sat there nervous for the rest of the exam. So I think that, yeah, so I think that can show you and that just that that sort of cultural perspective that I'm coming from. And so the real just difference of seeing that from from my teaching experience. Right. Um, And you said you you saw this in other people from the same region that he was from. Right. Yes. Do you think that that had something to do? And we originally we were we've been talking primarily about um, the Gulf, right? The Arab Gulf. Do you think um, that that these students had this response because they were from the region, or do you think it was because they were with a woman in the classroom? Do you think it had anything to do with their perceptions of women as authority figures? I don't. I don't think it had to do with my my gender. Um, and that's interesting you bring that up. I had heard other instances with some of my colleagues who were not just women, mm-hmm. just who were not who were not women, who had had similar experiences around cheating with people from the same region. Mm-hmm. And and the cheating wasn't always uh, just men either. So um, that's something that uh, to think about too. Uh, so I don't see it as a gender thing um, because in other ways, and we can talk about this in another episode, I felt extremely respected as a teacher. So um, I don't think it had to do with that. Um, one thing I didn't mention was also not just the cheater's response, but those who were being cheated off of, who, who um, students were reading papers off of their neighbors. And if their neighbor was from a similar region, they would say, oh, it's fine. It's fine, teacher. Because I would say, hey, hey, don't don't look at his paper. You know, and I would even try to come at it from that angle. I, sometimes I would say, well, hey, he's worked hard or she's worked hard. Don't look, don't, don't just, you know, use Talking their about- hard work. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the students who had worked hard, who was not cheating, but who was maybe being cheated off of, um, would say, oh, no, teacher, that's okay. They can do that. That's fine. So that was interesting to see that response because, again, I think if I had been, if there had been a student next to me who had been cheating off of my work, I would have been rather incensed. Well, hey, you know, do your own homework. That's so. interesting. Um, so many of the Arab countries come from somewhat of a more collective culture than we in the United States do. And it sounds like they're very much into community building and um, supporting each other in community. Uh, I wonder if that had something, this was in the, the U.S. that this happened, correct? Correct, yes. And I'm wondering if this was a matter of maintaining their, their sense of community as well, um, as, as it might have been different if they were back in their own country. That's interesting. Why? And you say that it it could have been different if they'd been back in their own country. Well, the repercussions back in their own country, they're sure of. They understand. Um, right. It's my expectation in any case. Uh, so I would think that if they were home and uh, they cheated, they would know exactly what to expect. But they've heard about Americans being pretty lenient in the classroom as far as I can tell. I mean, my experience overseas, I've worked in 
Of course, uh, Saudi Arabia, I've taught in South Korea, I've taught in North Africa. And it seems like um, the expectations that teachers have of students are very different from country to country. Right, absolutely. So in your experience overseas, I mean, what would the repercussions be around cheating? Because as a person who has very limited experience teaching overseas, my initial response was, well, there must be something about people from certain parts of the world where cheating is simply not a serious offense. And is that a misconception on my part? I won't be offended if you, if you say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I think the idea of cheating, um, we have a, a certain perception of what cheating is in the U S um, mm-hmm. and it's stealing from someone else's work. It's not doing your own work and stealing from someone else's work. And I've experienced um, when I worked with refugees in Portland, um, these were young people from, uh, they had been refugees from Africa and they would every so often help each other with homework. Uh, one person would do the homework and the other person would copy it. And yeah. you ask them about it. It's not a matter of them cheating. They didn't view it as cheating. They viewed it as supporting their friends and supporting their community by helping their friend pass classes because things were hard. And sometimes people had to take care of family members or do housework or whatever it was um, so that they weren't able to finish the homework that was assigned to them. So I, I, I'm not sure that um, calling it cheating across the board mm-hmm. um, with the American view of cheating is the easiest way to understand it because you kind of have to take yourself outside of that box um, right. of how, how we perceive cheating and how right. we perceive, and as you mentioned, how we perceive plagiarism. Um, in some schools I've heard in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, actually, I heard about an instance where there was a student in a public high school who turned in a, a paper that he had written on his own, but instead of getting graded for his work, he was told to go find something on the internet and actually turn in real work. So if wow. that's the idea of, of doing your work, and that's the perception of what is considered um, adequate work and, and completing your assignment then to call it to call it cheating right maybe it, from from that perspective uh, doesn't really match the American view that's interesting I once had a student in the U.S. she she was from the Middle East and she had turned in a paper and it was very heavily quoted from the internet, but she cited it. So I, I thought, well, you know, great. I'm glad she's, she's giving credit, but there was no real, uh, she didn't exhibit any of her own opinions. It was all pretty much cited. And, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, I didn't, you know, obviously like call that plagiarizing or kick her out of the class because clearly, clearly she had given credit to where credit was due, but that's a very interesting insight to get that. So, yeah. It just seems like there's, there's, uh, there's more at work here than someone just trying to pull the wool over your eyes as, as in the, the efforts of your student that you mentioned that was, uh, really determined to cheat on every exam yeah yeah so then 
how can we as teachers, and I'm talking specifically with teachers in the U.S., working with other cultures, how can we approach this then? Rather than trying to shame a student with this shame that, that's coming from my own cultural baggage, how can we, how can we work with these students uh, to, to uh, get them to see what the expectations are around plagiarism and cheating? That's a really good question. I, I think the, the best way um, from, from my perspe- perception or perce- perspective, sorry, uh, <laughs> is that we frame what we're looking for in a better way. So if we <laughs> want the students to write a paper and we want their ideas, we need to frame that. So when you say to write a paper about the Second World War, and they go and find all their resources online and they quote everybody online and they write a paper full of quotes and other people's sources, they have given you what you asked for. But as teachers, if we don't frame exactly what we're asking for in a way that is specific for the students to understand, they're going to go with what they know to be true. And we talk about um, the the needs. uh, Americans are, are... they have a higher tendency to give more information um, and not expect the person who's listening to them to really understand um, intricacies of things that aren't actually being said. Uh, Unlike some other cultures, for instance, Japanese culture, you can make inference to things and they'll understand it. And I think what we're doing in many cases when we were working with these language learners from overseas is we are actually imagining that they already understand these concepts the same way we perceive them. So perhaps we need to continue to be more explicit in our instruction and train the students in the new process or the new way of thinking, kind of back them out from the other way of thinking so that they know what we're looking for. Right, right. And again, speaking to that collective culture, um, that was where I was, I don't think I really sort of came at it from that perspective as, as well. So how can we maybe come at this from a collective culture, like the idea of plagiarism? I mean, do we say, well, you know, I know we, we respect these other person's opinion, these other people's opinion, but, but, you know, that, that is their, technically that's their property. We don't, we don't want to sort of, I don't know, this, this concept of stealing, I think that's, that's really where I, I keep on getting hung up again with my cultural baggage. Well, you know, how, how does the, how do ideas belong to somebody? Yes, absolutely. Right. Well, that's, yeah. But, but we, we call it plagiarism, but we're, what we're saying is these ideas belong to those people. How do I, ideas belong to people? So right. if you look at it from that perspective, that, that ideas are, are things that we all have, and, right. and the construction of ideas is something that we all do, then we have to help the students understand that the way this person put those ideas together is inherent to them and to their work, and we need to recognize them. And when they put their ideas together, then we will recognize them as well, the student will recognize the student as well as putting together their own ideas. Um, to be honest, I think it comes back to being able to think, think critically and get away from this idea of you should go and pick up something off the internet and just put it in a piece of paper. Yes. Right. Um, but that's plagiarism. 
That's, that would be um, related to plagiarism, related to uh, cheating, a similar question with cheating um, in regards to those students that I knew from the refugee community. Uh, I approached it as this, when you allow your friend to take work off of your page, you're actually hurting them. And you're hurting them because they don't get the opportunity to learn what you learned and someday they're going to have to pass that exam that shows that they learned what you learned and they won't be able to do it if you do it for them because you can't take the exam for them. Right. And that's how I framed it with these students and it seemed to have an effect on them where I don't know how much they actually did stop copying homework, but they thought about it more. Um, and I went to the person who was allowing their work to be borrowed or to be used as opposed yes. to the person who was copying. Um, okay. Because, because they were doing it because they felt like they were being helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what, that was what, again, I was surprised by was that when I pointed it out to these students who were being copied off of, rather than being angry, it's okay, teacher. It's okay. So, um, yeah. That's and then they don't understand why you're angry. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Well, gee, teacher didn't have her coffee today or something. So, mm -hmm. right, right. So, yes, that's interesting. So, how would, and again, this is probably a little bit too specific, but like a first day sort of orientation or even in the weeks leading up to the first test, assuming the class has test, would, would uh, it be useful to do some sort of, for the entire class, some sort of I don't know, exercise or conversation related to this what do you think because you mentioned going and in the situation you were talking about it was it was homework right it was sort of after mm -hmm. after school hours you talked about you know doing more talking to the person individually I'm just wondering like from a classroom perspective if you have any specific tips as far as how we could approach that well, as any experienced teacher in a K-12 setting would know, you, you move people that copy from each other, but you can't really keep <laughs> them from doing that when, when right. they're home, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, you separate them as best you can, and you, you make the situation as difficult as possible for them to copy from one another. But um, also, in communicative language teaching, we want students learning from each other. We want them practicing together, and so perhaps it's not only for us to discourage them from copying, but for us to encourage them to support each other's learning and teaching them how to support each other's learning as opposed to making it a negative, don't help your friend. We can say, mm -hmm. here is how you help your friend. And if you're, if you're more advanced than another one, another student in the class or your friend, then perhaps this is one of the best ways that you can support them as learners and make it explicit in the classroom so that everybody knows that this is a growing, a growth area, a place right. where we can learn together and where those people who know are also allowed to help others and show them how to help others. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. I love spinning that into this positive thing because clearly that's what they're there for. They want, of course, they want to learn the language, but they also want to support each other and they want to help each other. So, so I really appreciate looking at it from that perspective, as opposed to a sort of a, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. So yes, I think that's great. 
Very good. Well, thanks for your stories today. I think that's um, about all the time we have. And uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Well, just that I think it's so important how how we need to meet in the middle. Um, and and just that instead of, you know, it's students in my classroom, you know, this, this is our classroom, right? This is, this is not students coming into my space, but, but we're all creating the space together. And I think uh, this whole podcast that we were just discussing is definitely showing that. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. welcome. Again soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Estelle Conrad and Erin Waters. Estelle is an ESL teacher who got her undergraduate in English literature from Pacific University and her MAT soul from Portland State University in Oregon. She taught English in Linz, Austria, through the Fulbright Commission and Austrian Ministry of Education. Originally from Oregon, she spent the last two years living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. When possible, she loves going on adventures anywhere in the world with her husband, Lucas. Erin is a professional educator and English language fellow. She received her master's in TESOL from Portland State University and has taught business skills, English, and pedagogy to a wide number of learners across three continents. She is currently an education director at an online English institution, hosts the NEI Global Forum discussion groups, and facilitates student-centered language learning workshops for pre-service teachers in Morocco with the English Language Fellows Program funded by the U.S. Department of State and administered by Georgetown University. Thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time.